I'm Mark Peterson from FEMA External Affairs. And I'm Cassie Ringsdorf from FEMA External Affairs, and this is the FEMA Podcast. You know, Cassie, in external affairs, we get a lot of questions from the public, from the media and from congressional offices. And, you know, it seems like there's one aspect of the National Flood Insurance Program that really drives a lot of these questions. And it kind of relates back to this concept of the mandatory purchase requirement, this idea that if you are in a high-risk floodplain, then you're required to buy flood insurance. But if you're out, you don't have that requirement. So some of the questions that we receive are things like, you know, why is FEMA requiring this insurance? You know, I've never flooded before. Or nobody told me to buy it, then I flooded and lost everything. Yeah, and also as the maps change, as FEMA goes about redrafting the maps, we also get questions like, why is FEMA mapping me into this area? Or why did FEMA map me out? And then, you know, potentially I flooded later. So I wanted to get a sense of exactly what we're talking about in a real community with real homes and real mortgages when we talk about this high-risk area. I wanted to see for myself what the difference is between an area that you have to buy flood insurance or required to and an area that you don't have to buy flood insurance as a condition of this mortgage. So I called the person that I know knows more than anybody about flood insurance, David Shine. David. Thank you for meeting us, sir. Oh, yeah. So David recently retired from FEMA, where he spent most, if not all, of his 30-plus year career in the National Flood Insurance Program. He is a walking, talking flood insurance guru. He's so dedicated to the program and its merits that even his license plate literally is an homage to flood risk management. So where we're standing right now is in Des Plaines, Illinois, and we're right along the Des Plaines River, which kind of runs right, right in between yeah. sure, right uh, a forest preserve on one side, yep. and then here on the west side of the river, we're looking at, um, we're standing in a cul-de-sac, and this is uh, a, a community. It's kind of an average suburb, the average suburb of Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, but where we're standing right now is the area of 1% annual chance flood. As it stands right now, these people here who still have mortgages, yep. because of where they're located and and how it's depicted on the flood insurance rate map, yes, they 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 have to buy flood insurance. Right. If if they have a mortgage from a federally regulated lender, and that mortgage is secured by their home, which is insurable under the flood insurance program, in a community that participates in the program, as the city of Des Plaines does. Flood insurance is required. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it if all those tripwires, all those triggers are met. Now, some of these homes are probably paid for and don't have a mortgage. There's no requirement that they have it. But, you know, I assure you that they keep their fire insurance, even though they don't have a mortgage. They should also keep their flood because the risk of flood over that 30-year mortgage is three times the risk of fire. So, you know, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about a couple of facts to start us off. You know, first, floods are the most prevalent and most costly natural disaster in the U.S. And people love the water. But they also love to live near the water. Right. And there are pretty much water hazards everywhere. And also, people generally buy homes with mortgages. And generally, mortgages are regulated in some way by the federal government. And finally, Congress believes that if there is a risk, and we know about it, and the federal government is in some way involved, either regulating or backing, then we should take steps to protect against that risk. So, all right, so 
this is the special flood hazard area. We call it a lot of things. We call it the 1% annual chance. We call it the high risk uh, floodplain. Mm -hmm. But all of that to say that this is the area we're standing in right now where uh, mortgage companies would ultimately require the purchase of flood insurance to go along with a sale that is backed by a federally backed mortgage. If the, it's not the loan that triggers the mandatory, it's not the lender's relationship with the federal government that makes it a designated loan. It's the lender's relationship. So not only a federally backed mortgage, VA, FHA, SBA, but a conventional mortgage, like I've got, right? I'm not VA, FHA, I'm conventional. That requires flood insurance and a review of the floodplain map, just like a federally backed mortgage, because the lender is backed by the federal I government. I see what you're saying. Cassie, how about we look at a little bit of the history of the National Flood Insurance Program? So in 1968, Congress, for various reasons, felt that it was important to help protect against the financial losses associated with floods, so they created the National Flood Insurance Program. Fifty years later, the program has evolved. Congress also felt that if the federal government was backing and regulating lenders for various financial products like mortgages, there should be some way to protect them from this huge risk. So they legislated the mandatory purchase requirement. Right. And so here's the most important point about that requirement. It says that if you live in a high-risk area, as designated by the flood insurance rate map, and you have a federally regulated loan, then you have to buy flood insurance as a condition of that loan. The 93 Midwest floods happened, so Congress decided to put some teeth behind that requirement. They legislated a series of fines to lenders who did not appropriately require flood insurance for loans in these areas. Since then, industries have evolved, they read the flood maps that FEMA created, and they help lenders identify who is and who isn't in the flood risk area. And that makes a lot of sense. Why have a mandatory purchase requirement if you don't have consequences for not following that requirement? And, and also, you know, we're talking about people's livelihood here. You know, we were talking about their homes. So we want to make sure that those lenders are appropriately informing them of the risk. So, you know, what are we really talking about here when we're talking about this zone or this area uh, that where there is this mandatory purchase requirement? And, you know, the truth is what it really amounts to is an elevation. It is a specific elevation where if the lowest part of your structure is above this elevation, then you don't have to buy flood insurance as a condition of this mortgage. But if your structure is below that specific elevation, then you do have to buy flood insurance as a condition of a federally regulated loan or mortgage. But you can imagine that we're not talking about perfectly flat areas. There's varying degrees of elevation within that zone and, of course, varying levels of risk. When we say you're in the 1% annual chance flood, the only place that statement is accurate is right at the limit of the floodplain. Here, you're, you're in the... Uh, 10-year floodplain. It floods two or three times a year. So we have to remember the statistic part of this is the 1% only applies at the limit of the floodplain, away from the river. As you get closer to the river, you're getting into the annual floodplain. The 100% chance, no such thing. Right? But you have to bear that in mind. So as we're close, right, where we're standing right now, we can yards. see the water yeah. 50 yards away, yeah. probably. Mm -hmm. And, it, it, you know, as we look at the map with that, that data set that people are making those decisions off of whether to buy flood insurance or not, or whether the banks are requiring the yeah. flood insurance or not, 
I mean, we're talking about like the line itself is really where we're talking about that one percent chance. Yes. As you get closer to the water source, greater chances. Of course, absolutely, they they increase statistically. But to a homeowner, it's just not that simple. It's actually pretty confusing. Yeah, and it's made even more confusing by the fact that when a bank tells you maybe you don't have to buy flood insurance as a condition of the mortgage, you think, well, then maybe the risk isn't there. But in reality, the risk there's still risk even though it, you aren't designated in the mandatory purchase area. So it seems like we're right here, right near the water, 50 yards away, and it's very flat, and it, it continues very flat west, uh, which is sort of in that high-risk floodplain. Actually, it gets lower when you get further away from the river. It's called the natural levee because the river's been depositing mm -hmm. sediment right by its shore for hundreds of years. So, and then, and then those at a specific elevations are depicted on the map. Mm -hmm. um, but, okay, so we're very close. It seems intuitive that you would look at a water hazard and go, probably be a smart idea to buy flood insurance. You would hope. But the map is ultimately controlling that mandatory purchase. Yep. So as we get further inland, and, and maybe in a second we'll walk down to an area where, you know, the trigger stops. Right on the line, yep. What's the difference? The line saying, yes, you have to have flood insurance, and no, you don't, is actually not a topographic feature. It's not a waterfall. It's not an escarpment. But people have that in their mind. You know, oh, it stops here. The threat stops here. No, it doesn't. The line that represents, if you're, quote, in or out, is actually a zone of varying statistical probability. That's a lot different than saying, oh, there's a waterfall right here. Unfortunately, we've, we've trained our customer to believe that the risk stops here because that's where the mandatory purchase requirement ends. We can always do better. We can do better conveying the, the risk. Before I said goodbye to David, I wanted to see if we could find the actual line in this neighborhood that depicts the high-risk flood zone and the low-risk flood zone. And then from there, I wanted to see if we could talk about what it means for homeowners if they're located in the low-risk zone. So we kind of, in theory, located exactly where the line yep. sits. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not that far, maybe, I don't know, a quarter mile from where we were standing before. and. I mean, it doesn't looks look at... Looks the same. Looks exactly right. the same. Exactly the same. Outside of the, the mandatory purchase area. Mm -hmm. So when you cross that line, yep. um, while you, you don't have that requirement, you can still buy flood mm -hmm. insurance. So what happens to the policy, if you want to buy that policy outside, what, what's the consequence of not being in the special flood hazard area? Well, it makes it uh, generally uh, much less expensive. Certainly... Uh, if the building's been there for a long time. The structure of flood insurance premium is complex, but the, the threat and risk is complex as well. And it certainly doesn't end at that line. No, you know, it goes no. in. So, you know, outside of the, uh, the what mm -hmm. we used to call the 100-year flood yeah. zone, the 1% annual chance, uh, again, lots of different names, we, we call that other area the 500-year or the 0.2% annual chance. Mm. I mean, yeah, talk, I, talk to me about those, when we call it the percentage chance. How has that changed over the time that you worked with FEMA in communicating that risk to people? Well, every few years, we look at our 
uh, look at ourselves, uh, 360 degree review, and how how are we going to make this easier for the customer, the layperson, to understand the risk? Well, uh, it's always a challenge. We always start out with the 100-year flood language. Don't say it's a 100-year flood, because even the Weather Channel gets it wrong and says... Uh, They'll say this hasn't happened in 40 years. Well, yeah, yeah, that, thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. You can hit the lottery two weeks in a row. The fact that you just won the lottery has no impact on your statistical probability of hitting it again, mm. right? Okay, so the lesson here is that while floods happen, the line on a map is not a protection against a flood. Right, it's, it doesn't represent protection. And while the flood insurance rate map is a tool to determine your risk, and it's also a tool that a bank uses to require flood insurance as a condition of a mortgage, that determination by the bank should not control whether a homeowner who has a choice buys it or not. After all, if a home is not in a high-risk area because of the zones, flood insurance can actually be significantly cheaper than in the high-risk area. Okay, so ultimately, maybe the conversation at a home closing should be a little less along the lines of whether you have to buy flood insurance because the bank is requiring it, and more along the lines of whether or not your home is at a risk for flood and whether it makes sense to purchase it to protect yourself. Right, and I think... What's evident here is that everybody is at some level of flood risk, whether they're in this mandatory purchase requirement area or not. And so you have to, as a homeowner, make the determination that is best for you based on your own risk and your own risk tolerance. And I think the best way to do that is to talk to your insurance agent. You know, Talk to them about what's available in your area and what different products make sense for you. And you can also learn more about flood insurance and where your home falls on a flood insurance rate map by visiting FEMA.gov. We've linked to this episode on our FEMA Facebook page, and we invite you to join the conversation in the comments. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe through Google Play or the iTunes Store. You can even download each episode on FEMA.gov. If you have topic ideas or want to let us know what you think, make sure to follow us on our social media accounts. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.